On this episode of How I Got This Gig, Berman and I are chatting about... Event coverage. That's right. Maybe you've got an event project coming up and you're wondering, what camera do you use? Or what type of crew you would need to make it all happen. And most importantly, what should you wear? Well, we're going to discuss all that and more in today's episode. Roll it. Hello and welcome to How I Got This Gig. I'm your host, Dean Rainey, and with me as always is... Berman Lamb, your video twin. <laughs> My identical video twin. That's yeah, people. Right. a lot of times people get us confused, right? All the time. All the time. They call me Dean on the street. I'm like, dude, no. No, no. What, what they mean is <laughs> Dean in Chinese also means crazy, right? So when yeah, you that's say true. it that's a certain true. way... Well, I guess maybe that's they're not referring to the name. They're just referring me to crazy. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've seen you walking around aimlessly on the street. Well, we've got a great show today, this episode. I think it's going to be really applicable to uh, a lot of people, a lot of the listeners. We're talking about event coverage or event projects, right? Yes, that's right. You know, that's something that we don't do as often, but we do do occasionally. And recently, we had a pretty big project that we were working together on uh, for a good client of mine named Manulife. Yeah, big, big, big insurance company, multinational insurance company. And they put on a, a, an annual gala and uh, where they hand out some awards. And they wanted a recap video, sort of coverage and a sort of a mini doc uh, on the event. And we're going to share some tips about how we put it together uh, from crew to in logistics and uh, the stories we were going to tell and all of that. And I think it's really applicable to a lot of our listeners because I think when you're starting out in a production company, a lot of times you're going to be asked to do event coverage, right? This could be weddings. This could be Chamber of Commerce awards, uh, galas, all kinds of stuff. Uh, there's a lot of work out there for events, right? Absolutely. You know, events <clears throat> like you just you just listed like a whole bunch of different stuff. Because, so when it comes to events, there are a lot of different ways of approaching it based on what those events are. So to start off, you, you know, the, it's not just going in with a camera and just try to get everything you can. You still need to figure out what you want to come out with you know what what's the what's the message what's the story of the whole thing so in order to do that and because there's so many moving pieces there's a lot of work to be done that's right there's a lot of planning a lot of prep but then when you go in there you have to realize even though you've done all that planning and prep sometimes it doesn't mean anything because things completely go in other directions things change things aren't how you envisioned them and so you've got to be ready to kind of move and change and adapt to that, Absolutely. Right? And you know what? The, I keep on telling people, uh, producer's job is pretty much problem solver, right? So this is where, you know, whether you're <laughs> yeah. a good producer or not uh, is is like something like this that tests whether you're a good producer or not to be able to adjust to those changes on the fly. Yeah. Now, I would say that uh, that would be a test of whether or not you're a good sort of event producer, I guess, or event, you know, because you could be a producer and maybe you just can't handle the anxiety that you feel when you go in there and you can't, you don't like changes, <laughs> you know, if you're a person who doesn't like changes, you better stick with maybe something where you can storyboard it all out and, and just go with that. That's also true. And I guess uh, the anxiety goes away. The more, 
uh, events you cover, the you know the easier obviously you get because you you see the the formula of, of of problems that come up or or changes that tend to come up. So you're ready for it the next time around. You know. Exactly. All right. Well, before we get into uh, the nitty gritty here, uh, I want to give a shout out to, well, ourselves. Uh, if you are interested in improving your video production skills, check us out at videotwins.com. We've got a whole whack of free resources there, you know, tips and tricks and quote unquote hacks. Um, and they can really uh, help you raise the, the level and quality of your video productions out there. A lot of great free resources. That's at videotwins.com. Dot com. So, Berman, let's jump into this. Tell me a little bit about uh, sort of getting the job, maybe, and what uh, Manual Life's brief was. Well, getting the job was, you know, I think there's a bit of luck on my part. Um, I've worked with some people in, uh, let's see, a Manual Life in Hong Kong in the past. And uh, it just so happens that one of them uh, got relocated over here in Toronto. And it just so happens that the event was coming up and she was kind of in charge of a portion of it or maybe all of it i'm not really sure but uh because of that because i had that con connection from the past it kind of brought over to here and that's how i got the job so you know the no matter what you do i think relationships are very key never burn bridges you know you've heard of that that's great i mean really tip number one here yeah don't burn bridges or you know take care of those relationships and, and do good work because basically yeah this is a huge project and they didn't put it out for bidding or quoting they felt comfortable with you they trusted you they had yeah. seen your work and they said okay Berman, come on in and let's let's do this and that's that's great yeah and i mean i'm very appreciative of them for doing that for me uh, but like you said, it's sometimes it's, you know, you just got to make sure every time you go into any job, big or small, whatever involvement you are, do the, do the best you can because you, you never know, right? Yeah. So what was the brief? It was the Stars of Excellence. Yes, that's right. So every year they have this event. I believe it's been taking place in Toronto every time. Uh, uh, Life is a very interesting company. Every year they, they, uh, they issue awards to, you know, a a wide group of people. I mean, this this year was 77 individuals that won the Stars of Excellence Award. So it's just people who achieve above and beyond for the company. And they get all get sent here to Toronto for an event. They get a tour of Toronto and then in the evening they go to a gala where they award their award. So it's a, it's a pretty big deal. And when I first got the brief, it was like, here's the event. We want to do a recap video just to tell what people, uh, what, what this event is about. And I guess the important thing was they wanted to entice other people in the future uh, that haven't won the award uh, to kind of strive for this award because it comes with such a great trip and, and recognition. Um, the interesting thing was that with this brief, the people that are the kind of people that I work that I was working with, it's more or less their first time doing something like this. So even them, they weren't really sure what the brief should be, except that all they knew was here's the event. We need to cover it, uh, and we want to use the end result to entice other people. That's all we got. There wasn't re really anything else. So it was a learning process for both of us, back and forth. Um, and the client was very involved in working with me to try to figure out what this video should you know, eventually become. Right. So they wanted us to follow from the first thing in the morning through the city tour and lunch, and then... Uh, the, the whole arriving at the awards and all the entertainment and the g handing out of awards and all of that. So you've got that kind of day in the life coverage, but then you've also got kind of a call to action at the end where you want to, you want to 
leave the the audience feeling, hmm, I I got to get involved in this. I've got I've got to do this. So when you briefed me on that, then I kind of started thinking, all right, we definitely need more. We need some story because I think a lot of times you'll see event coverage and it's just like a maybe a two or a three minute reel and it's just visuals set to music. And so you don't really hear from the people and there's no real narrative that brings you through through the day. And I thought, okay, well, we're not going to do that. I mean, we'll have the visuals, but we definitely need interviews that we've got to do. We've got to get sound bites from people. We want to be able to have uh, sound bites from the stage, from the actual presentation and all of that stuff. Absolutely. I mean, a video like this, we were planning for the video to be anywhere between three to five minutes long. Uh, I think right now it stands around five five minutes, if I'm correct. Five or six, yeah. Uh, we're still in the rough cut stage, yeah. So for something like that, you're absolutely right. If you didn't have a story, it would just be images for six minutes, people are gonna get bored. You know, they're not gonna follow through. And I think, uh, from what I understand, I believe they've tried doing some event coverage video in the past. It wasn't with the team that I was working with, but with another team. And they weren't too happy with it because it was just a bunch of images put together uh, with some text and that was, uh, that was it. And I mean, it probably did the job, but it probably wasn't something that captured anybody's attention. Right. So you knew what they needed. What did you do to figure out how to capture it all? Uh, the first thing I did was got my good friend, Dean, to help me because you're the story guy. Hey, I, that's I, me. That's you right there, my <laughs> other twin. Like, quite honestly, I mean, that was the first thing I thought was like, I got to get Dean on this because Dean, you, you, you're known to be like very story driven. If anything matters to you, it's story. Like you would just go, okay, fine. Just give me any cell phone camera. As long as I have story, that's, and, and if the trade-off is like a crappy camera, I'm good with it, you know? And I think that's, that speaks right. a lot. We always say content is king, you know, the story, the message is king, not how you shoot and stuff like that. And with this, it's, it's no different. So the first thing I did was to make sure I got you on board, uh, to be aware of the whole situation. And also because I, the story we were telling wasn't going to be like a voiceover that narrates the whole thing. We were planning to do it where it's interview based. We were planning to get a bunch of interviews, piece it together to to create this narrative. And that's a very challenging thing. So the first thing we did was went into that and go, okay, so what exactly is the story? We obviously got the brief from the client. That's a very important thing. Like with all the stuff we tell our viewers, First and foremost, make sure you have the brief correct. Make sure you know what you're getting into and don't just jump into it. Yeah, That's right. So that was the first thing, right? Uh, after that, we try to figure out who the key people are, like the key figures, you know, the C CEO and stuff like that, president. The characters. What characters are we going to follow? Yeah. The key characters that we follow that, that will give in a compelling interview that we're, we would be able to use to build the story. So that was the first step. One of the things that we really wanted to get from the client that it took a while for us to get was the event rundown. So we know exactly what's happening for the entire day. Yes, that schedule is super important. Absolutely. I mean, it, and the, the whole schedule didn't start just at the event gala. It started right in the morning at like 9 o'clock, 9.30 in the morning because uh, all the uh, honorees were taken from their hotel uh, on a bus tour to tour around Toronto. So the client wanted us to get some, some of that coverage um, to show that it's not just you go there, you have a dinner and that's it. It's a whole experience. So we started there. We had to figure out how, what the duration of the bus tour was, what elements we wanted to get from the hotel and when, you know, when the gala happens and what happens in the gala. Is there like a cocktail before? Is it just a dinner? Is it dinner and awards? Like all that stuff we had to figure out before we, we figure out what our logistics would be. 
Right. And then once you figured that out, I mean, let's let's break down the crew here. What did you do? You you had uh, th- you had three cameramen. Yeah. Plus me with the camera. Yes. So when you started, I mean, there's all kinds of logistics here because actually, I live outside of Toronto. I live about an hour and a half, and to get there. I'm either have to, gonna have to come in the night before, get a hotel, which adds to the budget, right? Or I have to drive in, and at the time of day, it's going to take me two and a half hours. But you were a fantastic producer. You were flexible. What you knew when I was going to be needed, so you didn't have me come in at 8 a.m. because there wasn't going to be any any interviews or anything like that. But you had what three cameras, sort of on the day event following them as they toured Toronto. And that turned out, at first I thought, man, that's a lot of cameras. But it turned out to be great because as things happen and, and things change, one of the video cameramen act, actually had to be a still cameraman. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Absolutely right. I mean, uh, to go back right from the beginning, yeah, I had to decide what to do with your schedule and how that's going to work. And there's two things, right? First, I have to deal with costs, right? Do I have to add costs to the whole thing or bring you in the night before? Or do I have like, you know, what kind of overtime that we have to consider as well? Um, secondly, was also the well-being of, of my crew. So in your case, do I really want you to come in early and get all burnt out late at night and lose steam at the end, right? So those are things that I had to worry about uh, when I was trying to schedule you in to see when I can get you into the shoot. I think we ha- we made the right decision. I think uh, the way we had it worked out. You didn't look tired <laughs> at the end there. No, that's fine. That's good. Yeah. No, it worked out really well. Yeah. And then in terms of the uh, bus tour and everything, uh, yeah, I had three cameras. You you initially thought it was a little too much, but my concern was that the bus tour, the the ride itself took some time. But every every destination we stopped at, it was usually like just like 10 minutes. And you had 77 people or something like that, like a large number of people that we need to get uh, faces of and stuff like that. I needed wide shots. I needed establishing. I need people... Uh, interviews, stuff like that. I need all that stuff within 10 minutes. One crew, two crew may not may not hack it. And so we need at least three uh, three cameras rolling. And you're right. At the very end, uh, you know, there was some miscommunication and everything. And we realized that the client needed some still photos of everybody. So one of my teams who are not normally uh, photographers had to, you know, change their role and be a photographer, which was, wasn't something that they're really familiar with. But they, you know, they did, did the best they can. And they became full-on stills, and that was it. So, uh, yeah, changes, time. And at the end, I was glad that I had those people because they only stopped, like, at two locations. I thought there was going to be more locations. Um, So if we didn't get the stuff in those two locations, we would have been – it would have been a big waste. Yeah, because I'm actually doing the offline editing, and you have just the right amount of coverage. Just just barely enough because it's yeah. all happening. It's all happening so fast. And the key to these event videos, honestly, they're so political sometimes. Like people want the FaceTime. They want to see as many people as possible. They want people showing up in the video. So that's yep. an awful lot of coverage. And also what I really yep. appreciated was that you took the time to get sound bites from people at each location. So I had an idea, I sort of had a, a running narrative that I could kind of stitch together throughout the day. So it didn't seem like all the interviews and all the sound bites were at the end at the gala. You guys got some fun stuff on location out across Toronto. So that was good. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think the, uh, there's another thing that I had to keep in mind was that before this actual event, I was doing some other videos for them uh, that were related to it, which was doing individual stories of five, I believe it was five, four or five individuals um, 
that were Stars of Excellence award winners. So because I went, like I was flying to Montreal, uh, Irvine, California and stuff like that, Boston, to get these stories, I quickly learned that, you know, some of them had media training, which means if I were to throw a mic right in front, a camera in front of them, they'll be able to speak uh, without hesitation. Um, and some of them, they did not. And also because now I have a relationship with them, I tend, I, I knew that when I, w threw a camera at them, they wouldn't be as uncomfortable. Um, because I only had like 10 minutes at each location, I needed to make sure I got the right sound bites, or at least I hope to get the right sound bites. You have to tell me if I did. Um, so I did find, I sought after these individuals that I already worked with, knew what their strengths and weaknesses are, and were able to get usable sound bites. Because you, you can go up to anybody and just ask them questions, and they the answers may not be usable. That's right. Yeah. You know? So the margin of error is very, very, uh, very slim. What cameras did you select to film this with and why? So I, I went with, you know, our trusty Sony A7S II. Uh, the reason why was because, first off, the majority of the people that I was working with were familiar with that camera. And we had access to enough of them so that we were able to get everybody across the board with the same camera. And that was one of the biggest things. I didn't want... Uh, someone with a 5D, someone with like, you know, a different brand camera, uh, because in post, everything will look very different and I'll be very, very, that would just add to our post-production color correcting and all that stuff. So that was the one thing, right? Making sure everybody had right. across the board and then availability of the camera was good. Uh, low light situation was a big deal because we were at the gala, you know, obviously it's going to be darker and everything. It's not, it's not lit for a video shoot. Yeah, that's one thing you learn. You go in there and uh, you just have to deal with what you're given. And I mean, when I get to a location, I definitely connect with the AV team, you know, the lighting team. And I got them to walk me through all the kind of lighting setups they would have for all the various uh, things of the event, you know, from the performances to the award presentations to the speeches and just got an idea of where the lighting levels were going to be. Yeah. There was not a lot of light that was going to be on the audience. So I kind of asked, you know, can you throw up a little bit more ambient light um, at certain points so that we can get uh, uh, get capture people? Yeah. Uh, but the Sonys did fantastic. I mean, they're great for low light. So, man, that their cameras have come such a long way. Yeah. And so that really helped us out. Absolutely. So, I mean, lighting, uh, access to the same camera. So there's consistency and also familiar, rare familiarity. Am I saying it right? Of the camera for all the camera operators yeah because you can just choose a camera but if the person you're getting has no cloud to use it you're not going to get much out of it you know that's another thing no no because they're limited and what they can do but if they're comfortable with it they can push it they know what it does at a certain iso or what they can do to get those low, low light shots yeah so how did you set it up there I, I think i was shooting with a 24 to 70 2.8 and i was getting uh, kind of mostly wide shots of things and then we had our, our good buddy Eric Chan he was on a yep. 70 to 200 2.8 and he was getting extreme close-ups that's correct uh, he and I were kind of getting a mixture of stage and audience reaction shots don't forget about audience reaction shots you need them you need hand clapping you need laughing because when you know I, I know that um the president of Manual Life had a joke at the at the podium, and I thought that's a nice joke, and it's so appropriate. Uh, I want to put it in the cut, and then you need some kind of reaction laugh just to make it, just to complete it, right? To sell that, uh, and so the reaction shots of the audience super important. Get a variety of those. Absolutely. And then I think you had Chi Y. Yep. Then Chi -Y. I think you had Chi Y on a 
16 to 35, and he was on a uh, sort of a gimbal with a sort of a steady cam. Yeah, steady cam. And he was getting sweeping, flowing shots. And so that was the main coverage. And then we had the fourth crew, which had, a, I think, a 70 to 200. And at first, we thought it was a good idea to put them up on the balcony, right? We thought, okay, we can get some really wide shots here and see how big and large the, the scope of this event is. But in the end, we didn't end up using much of that. No, yeah. We were thinking, you know, from the angle, like they, they did have a house camera, but it was uh, down on ground level. And I believe you were saying that maybe up there, looking down, you can see the, the tables and everything. It'll be different angle. It'll be a wider kind of thing. Um, I think we used a bit of it, but, you know, we probably didn't. Yeah, we didn't use as much as we thought we would. So, you know. A little bit. A little bit. I don't know. I, I would say, like, if we were to do it again next year, if they were kind enough to have us again, I would probably go up there, get a few shots, but probably not stay up there as long as uh, we had that team up there. Uh, but yeah, every team, like you said, we had pretty much four teams at that point. That's right. Uh, each team is basically a uh, camera operator and an assistant. Uh, not everybody's going to be able to have cameramen and assistants and all that. But I got to tell you, man, you know, when I don't have to run and change a battery or, or get something, grab a lab mic, whatever... I can I can make sure I don't miss anything, <laughs> you know, like yeah, absolutely. So I mean, after it, right in the beginning, we're like, okay, maybe we had too many people, but once it would start rolling, uh, are we glad we had that numbers, you know? Um, and we on top of that, we used some uh, relatively new equipment. You were using the monopod that you've been raving about. <laughs> I went out and bought the monopod exclusively for this event. Exclusively for this event, exactly. So how did it go? What do you think? What, what's your thought on that? Just like a little quick one. I used it about 50% of the time. Uh, actually, I would use it for some extreme close-ups and be able to stay steady and still have sort of a handheld feel a little bit. But then I had to ditch it if I wanted to do any kind of real dramatic tilting up, you know, from hands to face and then panning over. If I had moves like that, I had to just take it off the monopod. Um, but it was nice to not have to carry the camera too, to have it on the monopod and then to be able to just hand that monopod over to the assistant um, and then do something else or whatever. Yeah, I was going through the footage myself as well because I was cutting these story things. And that's what I noticed as well. When it was static shots, it was fine. But once you start panning, you're off. Because you don't have the, uh, the three legs, the camera will start tilting to the side and it's not, it's not balanced. And yeah. that was the biggest issue when I was looking through it. So... Yeah, it's definitely a place for it. Um, now, you'd have to talk to Eric because Eric had the 70 to 200. Because my thing is, look, at, I'm going to just say this. The real reason I got the monopod is because I can use the 70 to 200, which is a very heavy lens. Yep. I can use it and I can do close-ups and I can go kind of handheld. But for me on this event, I had the 24 to 70, so I was doing more wide shots. So it wasn't really applicable. That's why I had to take it out yep, only when exactly. I was doing the extreme close-ups. Now, Eric, on the other hand, he had the 70 to 200. He was using a monopod, and he seemed to use it all the time. Yeah. And he seemed, and the footage looks great. Yes, I have to agree. Like, the stuff, I didn't really think that he was on a monopod. Like, to me, it was like handheld that was steady and i had no issues and because when you do handheld there's you're gonna have to pick the stuff that's not too shaky right so it was handheld stuff that i can use all of it so in that case right it worked really well now what was the stabilizer that uh, chi was using 
uh, Chiwai had his camera on the Ziyun Crane. I'm not really sure if I'm saying it right, but it's very similar to the DJI Ronin S, which just came out. Um, and those are kind of becoming really big nowadays. And, you know, I've, I'm starting to see more people use that as opposed to use the Ronin M um, for, you know, low budget shoots. Yeah, really quick to set up. Very quick, very quick to set up. Battery life is good. His model, though, a couple of limitations. Yeah. It can't um, hold a very heavy lens. So he had the lens that he had on it, which was at the maximum, was not a full frame lens. So even though it was a 16 to 35, when he put it on the camera, it was actually like two thirds of that. Yeah. It was like shooting at a 24, which is not that wide sometimes. So there's a little bit of limitation with that. But, you know, it worked for what you needed. Yeah. I mean, it was it was a series one. I know that they came out with the series two. And now the, the Ronin S is, is obviously can take a lot more weight. So you're absolutely right. Um, we also needed to, for something like that, we also needed to use a Sony lens on the Sony camera so that there's autofocus. Um, you couldn't really put like right. a 7200 onto it an, uh, from Canon and expect it to work well. Because with stuff like this, when you're moving, the focus has to kind of follow your subject, right? And if you're always like trying to figure out yourself, it becomes quite tedious. Um, and with event, like you said, it, it's happening live. People are going to get up, go to the podium. You have to follow. You can't tell them to do it again. Nobody's going to stop for you. So um, it worked out well. I think we got some really useful footage uh, from that. Actually, I used a lot of it uh, with the videos I had. So yeah, yeah, that was good. That was a good call. And then for mics, um, we uh, used uh, our lav mics for interviews. We also used a boom mic. Yep. And a hand mic sometimes just for some quick sound bites. Yep. While you're out on location. Yep. We used a lot of a different variety of stuff. Um, and oh, here's here's a here's an important thing when we talk about audio. So. Lab mics and all that stuff, that's when we're doing, uh, you know, pieces of the camera or, or interviews and stuff like that. Ambient, we got the shotgun. But with an event, usually they have a, a, you know, a sound system. They have an audio set up in the back. Um, we didn't bother getting any audio during the actual gala itself because we, we knew that we were going to get the video footage from the house camera, which is where all the audio is piped into. So that's very important. Like when you go right. into an event, you got to make sure, is there an audio system going on? Is there someone recording that stuff? If it is, can you get a copy of it? If nobody's recording it, can you kind of maybe bring a device in, uh, plug it in so you can record that, uh, that audio while the event is progressing and then you go back and try to piece it together with your footage. Um, so those are very, very key things because if you... That's a nightmare though. That's, it, a, that's a nightmare. It is a nightmare. So that's the last thing you want, right? If you want audio, yeah, I, I do want footage that matches with it. Here's a tip. If there is no house camera that's filming all of this and projecting it to a big screen and also these guys were web streaming it, I think, at the live at the same time. So we were in good shape. But then you're going to have to set up some kind... You know, I would suggest set up even just a cheap, crappy camcorder if you have it. Yeah. Because... When you're shooting on the floor with your DSLRs, you're shooting in just little spurts. You know, maybe the longest is 20 seconds as you follow a presentation or whatever, or you yeah. record a speech. But to have that uninterrupted camera rolling will save you in the edit because, you know, like camcorders sometimes they're really good quality and you can put in just a little bit of the sound bite, but you can definitely use the audio and you know that you have everything. So I always recommend to a client, even though you're having us there doing the event coverage, you also need a main camera to basically just roll. Plus, you want to have a copy of it for posterity as well, the whole event, you know, for their own uh, archives. 
Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. I was thinking the same thing. Instead of like just plugging an audio device, just get a crappy camcorder so there's a video ref a visual reference right. to all the sound that you're capturing. Good idea. Great idea. So it was a long day, but in the end, we got everything. Yes, uh, at the end, we got everything. Um, you know, as you mentioned before, you know, we had quite a big crew. You know, a lot of stuff we do is, is a is much smaller crew. So one of the key things is once you have a big crew, you have a responsibility to make sure they're fed, make sure they're aware of what their jobs are. <laughs> you know, it's uh, yeah. And I'm glad I, I worked at, you know, you and I, I'm glad that we worked at a TV station where we had done beauty pageants and stuff like that, because we're aware that before any event, you should sit down with everybody, have a quick briefing. So people are aware of the schedule uh, of the day. People are aware of what their roles are, what their jobs are. Um, so that when they get in, they're not just standing around, uh, you know, scratching their heads. They're, they're right away. They know what to do. If they can't find you, they already know, okay, well, the plan was this, I'll start doing that. So I think that was very important because you got to utilize all your resources. And like you said, we used everything. We used everything we shot. So it was good that we had everything, everybody on the same page. Yeah. Because once that, that events kicked off, man, things were just happening and it's a freight train and, and you can't stop it. All you can do is send someone else to cover whatever you're missing, right? Like, I mean, right up to the end of the night, as people were getting out, we're trying to film. They're doing big group pictures, and then people are, you know, out in the lobby, and we want to get sound bites from them. And then there's a partying going on in a third room, and you want to get some of that. There was a lot of coverage. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I have to say, I have to credit the team that I have, you, uh, Chiwe Eric, uh, Henry Sean, all of them, because... I guess we've worked together enough, so we knew. Like I'm sure I was, I was in my briefing and everything. I was missing a lot of stuff, so I'm pretty sure you guys were just like on the fly, going, ah, "I don't know what I'm do what needs to be done now, but this is probably what I would do." And everything kind of worked out. So you know, I gotta thank the team for uh, making us all look good. You know. <laughs> yeah, Chiwai and Eric are are really easy to work with, and uh, yep. you know they they just they're open to whatever your suggestions are. And they're good, too, because they cover what they think, what their instincts say might be important, even though they haven't been told. And there are some people who just will only do what they're told, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely right. Yeah. And a big shout out to Henry and Sean, who stepped up. You know, they're just starting their production company and they don't have a lot of experience. But, you know, when you're looking for someone to join your team, you're just really looking for someone who's open minded, who listens, who's willing to learn and you know just keeps keeps at it and that's what they did they they got some great footage there um i could see kind of what they were struggling with a little bit but they made sure that they didn't yeah. just uh you know kind of gloss over things if, if they weren't happy with the shot they did it again and uh they were just they were ready they just kept on going they did not get tired yeah they had a lot of passion for it <laughs> throughout the day uh because like you said they don't have a lot of experience they have some you could see them like just in their in their face they're frustrated with themselves you know they're they're like oh man i gotta get something better and just kept at it and like you said yeah there was there was some good stuff that we got from them so yeah that was good uh one key thing here that you had us do and you, you didn't tell us till the last minute and then i had to laugh when you do but was our uniform <laughs> oh uniform <laughs> what, what was the uniform it was the uh, black, right? Well, we just all had to be in black. Yeah. yeah. And I'd forgotten. Oh, yeah. I have to dress in all black because we're the crew. Yeah, we're the crew. And an event kind of thing. We're not to be seen. Not to be seen. That's right. Especially when it's a live event. Black, you really do just kind of blend in when we're all in black. Like, 
I don't think we really stood out, even though we're running around with these cameras with big lenses and everything. Absolutely. We're in each other's shots, right? Because you have all these different angles. I can see Chiwei running around nonstop. I can see you in my shots, but because we're in black, we don't really notice it. It was good. Yeah, it doesn't stick out. So that's yeah. pro tip. If you're doing an event, and most people it might be obvious, but uh, yeah, wear black. We're black, yes. That's uh, something I learned from back in the day when I was doing events. So it still applies, I guess. Yeah. So is that pretty much conclude the coverage of it, I would say? I want to touch on maybe just a little bit of the post-production. Yeah, you know, uh, I think because you have so many cameras running, uh, you know you're going to get a lot of footage, which means the more footage you have, the more time you have to spend to go through everything. What that means is that you need to make sure everybody who's running camera is on the same page of what they need to get as opposed to just running the camera nonstop, hoping to just get everything so that we have everything. Uh, yeah, you could do that, you know, to cover your ass, but you're going to feel the pain afterwards. And, you know, at the end, we, for post-production, we charge, you know, uh, more or less an hour rate with this stuff, right? So you, you need to control costs. And how do you do it? Try to make sure that the stuff you shot are, is all gold so you don't have to like go through everything. And it was good that we had everybody had, you know, it wasn't just a free for all. We didn't just say, okay, you're over here, shoot, and you're over here, shoot. We said, you know, you're going to be responsible for the majority of the reaction and stage and close ups. And I will be responsible for most of the wide shots. And you will be the, the flowing steady cam shots. And you will be take care of these people. So when I go into editing, you know, I know, okay, B cameras, there's going to be this. And yep. C camera, there's going to be this. And yep. one person with, was tasked with getting all the posters. And one person was tasked with getting all the close-ups of the awards. And one person was tasked with getting the behind the scenes setting up stuff. So it was like, now when I go in there, I'm not overwhelmed. I kind of know what camera was responsible so I can bounce in between as I'm putting my sequences together. And, you know, yeah, it's hard not to get overwhelmed. I remember, I mean, I was getting nervous even leading up to shooting this because I was just dreading the post-production because it was a quick turnaround too. We wanted a rough cut in a week. And I'm like, man, that is a lot of uh, footage to go through. But you just kind of lean on what you can, what you know. And the great thing for me about this was that well, there was a, there was a start and there was a middle and there was an end already. The day, right? The day began with something. Yep. It led through something else and then it ended with something else. Right. And so I was able to just kind of follow that linear narrative there and piece it together and then kind of take out what was redundant or wasn't wasn't needed in that. So, yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, for me, it was little, uh, the edits I had to do. Uh, I just re needed certain portions. So I knew what I had to get. The biggest challenge was really the recap video. How did you decide on like how you were going to structure this, um, the narrative in terms of interviews? Like, d how did you get into that? To me, it's like, that's like a nightmare. Uh, <laughs> I know. I don't know. First thing is I just, I just jump in and I uh, start piecing together sort of the vital information I think that's needed. And then as I go through more sound bites and the visuals, what I find is I lay out sort of the interview stuff sort of what's the story. But then once I start to put visuals on top, then the visuals kind of say what the interview is saying so I can take away from the interview because you're seeing it, right? Right. And so, and then I'm looking for, you know, different voices to say, you know, maybe I have four interviews and they kind of say the same thing. Well, I'll use a bit of each one to kind of piece together that. And 
you know, I like little things like you had some of the people out in front of the Toronto City Hall and they were singing Oh Canada. And I was able to just put that in as a little joke, a little, you know, just to lighten things up a bit. And, you know, you kind of, I knew what happened during the day. So I was just kind of selecting, you know, you're selecting because A, is the, is the audio clear? And you're selecting it because it, does it make sense? Does she just ramble on and on and on? And that's just a horrible sound bite. And it takes 30 seconds for her to say that we went and had lunch on the top of the CN Tower. Or this guy over here says it in like five seconds. So you just quickly make those choices. Right. I start using music to pace it out. And then it's really about putting it in and then trimming up and taking out, really. If that makes any sense. It does. Did you, when you were going into, before you uh, even asked the questions... Did you structure the questions in a way where you already had an, a vision of how this will flow or you were just asking questions and then deal with uh, how this is going to flow later? You mean for when I was doing the interviews? Yeah. Well, I had a set amount of questions provided by the client and then I would add in mind that I felt I might need to fill in holes in the story. And Right. So you had an idea of the story already going in. Yeah, I mean, the story was that it's a day in the life, right? So they met at the hotel. Uh, they had special gifts from Manual Life that they, they went through, and they were all customized. And then they got on a bus and, and had a tour of Toronto and you know said what they're enjoying about it. And then they went up for lunch, and you had a soundbite for, for lunch. The interviews that I did were mostly with management, like the CEO and the president or whatever. So I had, like, I didn't really have questions that were about the story it was more about like the awards what are, what are the awards all about and what's manual life all about kind of thing because you did all you did all the day interviews i did yeah yeah um you know how we always talk about so what were you thinking when you asked those questions what was i thinking <laughs> i wasn't thinking about your job i was just thinking about the stuff i had to cut <laughs> yeah uh again like just like any other shoot you should already and of course things change, but you should already have in your mind how you kind of envision the spot to be or the video to be. So as your questions are kind of guiding them towards that kind of narrative that you have in mind. Yes. And I think that saves a lot of time. Sometimes if you go in, you don't have a clue, you're just asking random questions, just hoping you'll cover yourself. You're gonna have a hell of time trying to cut, try to cut it together. I mean, you're gonna have a hell of time trying to cut it together regardless, but when you have a plan going in, of course, it makes it a lot easier. And then that's when it starts deviating. But at least you have a plan or you have a storyline to deviate from. Uh, and I think that makes it a lot easier. Let's face it. You had eight questions and you basically asked everybody the same eight questions. You weren't reinventing the interview every single time. No. It's like you interviewed 15 people and you asked them all the same eight questions. So I knew, you know, those were good eight questions. They should cover what we need. Now it's just a matter of picking the best ones, the best answers. Absolutely. If you didn't have everybody answering the same question and you're asking all these different questions, you'll be all over the place with your thing. I mean, all over the place. Yeah. I mean, five minutes can be a, a long time, but at the, at the end of the day, it's just five minutes, right? So, I mean, what are you going to do? So, the eight questions are to if you had only one person and he spoke really, he or she spoke really well and answered all those eight questions and you only had him or her, at least that will structure your video. You know what I mean? But then when the client says, oh, but we want to hear from a woman or we want to hear from a person of color. Well, you don't. You only have the one interview. Right. So it, it, I think it's important that you don't have to, uh, y like you say, plan it out, get your questions that's going to cover everything. 
and ask them, even though you're repeating and you're asking the same thing, ask them to many different people across the event. And also, you know, I ask follow-up questions too, where it's appropriate. You know, I might go into right. something. If they say something that's personal to them or something that's different, I may go into that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm, when, I'm, when I meant by one person, I'm like, if you only have access to one person, at least those eight questions will help you form that story. But once you start getting multiple people answering the same question, now you can start, right. cutting, like you said, piecing different people answering certain segments of the story. And then you get this very, very fruitful kind of narrative. Yeah, it just feels a lot more fruitful, richer. Yeah, yeah. Your questions are only those eight, though. You know, it's not like it's every every person has a different question. You you just stick with those eight. It's just a matter of adding more people to make it more colorful, uh, and not adding more questions. I think that's the that's the key. Yeah, and so if you're even if you're doing a small events, you know, weddings or whatnot, you know, use a boom mic or a good road mic on your uh, camera, or uh, get a cheap lav or whatever you have there. But I think you know, add some sound bites in there. You know, get some sound bites from people, interview them, hear people's thoughts and what they think about the day, and and it's really their reaction, right? And that's where you know, the emotion comes out and yeah. Yeah, so just to recap here on the post-production, don't get overwhelmed by all the footage you have. The story's in there. You know what you need. If you've got a limited duration, like you don't want it to be over five minutes, don't freak out. Uh, sometimes I cut a long version. I think the, I think I sent you the rough cut was maybe six or something, and we kind of want it to be under five. But I'd rather it to be fat, and then client can say, yeah, we don't need this, we don't need that. Oh, you're missing that, put that in, and then tighten it all up. But, you know, the key is, you know have a story in mind that you'd like to tell you've experienced the day what does the day mean to you you know you're the storyteller and you know what one one more thing that will help you not be overwhelmed is be there on the shoot yes you know we constantly say if if say for example if someone just gave you the footage and you say cut something and you weren't even there you would have no idea where to begin i wouldn't have taken this job if you had said to me i just want you to do the offline you're the story dude yeah uh because i wouldn't have even known where to start i'd have to experience the whole entire event via the raw footage yeah and that's just now okay but i wasn't even there on all the interviews so i still had to go through those right but you know we're having conversations throughout the day you know you're briefing me i'm seeing who sounds good on camera and yeah yeah you're involved right from the get-go that's very important i mean there's clients who are like oh yeah i have this bunch of footage can you cut it for me it's not that easy so when you're there it makes it that much easier so to me, that's that's a very key thing. Don't don't just go send. Oh, I'll send a crew and shoot it, and I'll cut the stuff later. Yeah, no, no, man. No. The the post production begins on the day of the shoot. Yeah, let's just put it that way. Absolutely. So I think that's about it. Okay. Any final thoughts or takeaways? Yeah, one more final thought is really. Um, I think we we're very fortunate. I want to thank Manual Life and the team that was with us on the day. Natalie, Laura, all of them because. They put just as much effort as we did on the day, you know? Yeah. And I think because of that, the pieces that we're going to be producing or have produced is going to be even better than if they weren't. So, uh, you know, client involvement, 
uh, their willingness really, really helps. And I think Manulife and their team over there did a great job making our job easier. That's right. And, you know, roll with the punches because even though they're trying their best to organize everything and get everything ready, uh, sometimes you just can't, things just don't happen. Like you weren't able to go with the people up to the top of the CN Tower to sh film the lunch. So, but you were smart enough to not get upset and to just, okay, well, I'll get a sound bite from somebody and then I'll get a couple of shots of the CN Tower and I'll get them going up in the elevator. And that was about it. You didn't panic. You didn't freak out. And it turns out in the edit, that's all we needed. We just needed like 10 seconds to say that little piece. So we don't worry. Even though we're like, oh man, we wish we had been able to get up there and see the spinning tower and, and a shot from the top of the CN Tower. But eh, in the end, it, it wasn't, wasn't needed. So, yep. you know, don't panic. Roll with the punches. Absolutely. And wear black. <laughs> and we're black <laughs> alright so that does it for us here I hope you found some value in some of our ramblings on here about event coverage if you've got a question about any of this feel free to let us know we are on Facebook Video Twins we've got a website videotwins.com we're Instagramming we're Twittering we're doing all kinds of stuff if you've got a question you know, we'd love to answer it yeah I don't know what else to say after that <laughs> Got everything. Well, let's wrap it up from here and we'll see you next time. All right. Take care. Take care.